Our message this morning is going to be coming from Genesis chapter uh, 22, but uh, I'd like to actually read from Hebrews chapter 11 for our scripture reading this morning, uh, starting with the first verse. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that this is seen, so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, uh, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commanded as, uh, commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. By faith, Noah being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he... Uh, condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were both descendants as many, born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. In our catechism today, for the kids, it's uh, question 14. Did God create us unable to keep His law? No, but because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we are all born in sin and guilt and unable to keep God's law. The children are dismissed. Last uh, couple of weeks we were talking about uh, those who are called or chosen according to God's purpose to be holy and blameless. And He did this before the foundation of the world. And uh, what we're talking about is the, the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And from within that chosen people that God set aside through history going all the way back to uh, the beginning in Genesis the lineage of Christ was protected that the Christ would be born at the time appointed by God 
one Old Testament example of this chosen people uh, in, in the book of Genesis is that of Abraham. Uh, his story actually begins in Genesis chapter 12. And I'll read a few of these verses, although, the, like I said, the main focus will be on chapter 22. And uh, in chapter 12, uh, we have the call of Abraham, starting with the first verse. Now it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abraham lived in what is believed to be Ur of Chaldees. There's another mention of that later on and so the the assumption is that that's connected. And uh, Ur of Chaldees was an amazing city. Uh, What they've been able to excavate over the the last hundred plus years of it uh, show it to be a very, uh, first off, huge place. They estimate anywhere from 60 to 100,000 people might have lived there. Uh, The other thing that's really amazing is that they had amenities that were unheard of in other places of the world. They literally had running water. Now, granted, it was through canals and, 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 and pipes and stuff like that, but it, the idea was that they uh, had water and access to each home. They actually had a sewer system. Uh, they had uh, Their homes actually had a place for a toilet. Uh, there was a place uh, of convenience, you might say. And uh, so it was a very sophisticated place. And so here, I, and the reason why I, I just went through that little bit of detail, and it's far more involved than that, is that you see this man whose generations are from this city. So he's born and raised there. He's 75 years old at the point that this call is made. And God calls him out of that city to go to Canaan, which is sparsely populated, to live in tents, literally for all his life. And he did it without hesitation. And so we have this picture of of, of leaving this this to... And then God says, I'm going to make of you basically a great nation. And he leads him to Canaan. In verses 5 through 9 of the same chapter, it says, Abraham took uh, Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had together and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And he built there an altar. Abraham built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. So we see here a promise as well. He says, Of you, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. 
And he continues this promise in chapter 15. Uh, he, he, again, with, with Abraham, he says, After these things, uh, the things being uh, the previous chapter uh, and being blessed by Melchizedek and, and, and others, things that go with that, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will be the what will you excuse me? What will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house, and it's just basically it's Eliezer his of Damascus, which was a relative. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household would be my heir. And and behold, the word of the Lord came to him: This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then he brought it, took him outside, said, Look at the sky. See all the stars. Your, your heritage will be in people bigger than that, basically. And so the, this promise continues all the way through Abram's life, Abraham's life. And uh, in chapter 17. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. So this this theme this this promise and, and and of this chosen people is is continuing all the way through this through Abraham and so it says no longer shall your name be called Abram but you shall be called Abraham for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God uh, to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So the promises continued. And uh, the covenant restated again. And again, that very key phrase, your very own son shall be your heir. Verse 15, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become, na- uh, and she shall become nations, kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might be, live forever. Now Ishmael was his son by his the handmaiden of Sarah. They were trying to help God along in fulfilling this prophecy of heirs. And he said, No, it's not going to be. It's going to be Sarah. And it's going to be a son from, from Sarah. 
No, your, your wife shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So we have this, this, this like I said, this ongoing promise. Uh, and then what happens is, is the birth of Isaac. Uh, in chapter 21, it says, uh, The Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, a son of his old, uh, in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, which was part of their custom. And... You know, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So we have this this picture uh, of, of a miraculous birth. Now, all that God has done for Abraham up to this point, everything God has said, He has done. Nothing. All the promises so far have been kept. And, and so, Abraham has every reason to be confident that the God of all creation indeed is his God and that what he says will happen. The heart of the story comes in chapter 22, which is where I want to concentrate the rest of the message. This is a story that is well known in church in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, uh, even TV has had specials about Abraham. And uh, the, it's a story that is both amazing and I think it legitimately has to, you could, you could put it in the category, uh, it's not just amazing, it's also shocking as to what is asked of Abraham. Chapter 22 verses 1 through 2. Another phrase again, after these things, this time uh, the birth of Isaac and the treaty with Abimelech and all, it says, after these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, the word tested here is proving the quality of a person or a thing. Okay, I want you to, to grab that and hold on to that because sometimes we get an idea of tested as, as something you know different than that. It's proving the quality of, of, of a person or a thing. He's going to prove the quality of Abraham's what? Faith. So, it's not the faith that's being tested. It's the testing that's going to prove that the faith is already there. And so, it's not like a test that God's going to say, well, is He going to pass or fail? God already knows the outcome of this. That's what this whole focus has been about this choosing before the foundation of the world. God's plan has already been out and written and taken care of before the foundation of the world. And so... He knows what Abraham's going to do. So you, you kind of have to ask the question, you know, uh, who's the test for? 
And one of them, I think, is Abraham himself to confirm in his own heart and mind. But I think it's to confirm to us today as well what it is to have a sincere, true faith. So God tested or proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Just that phrase alone is, is, is showing the, 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 the depth of relationship that Abraham would have with this child. Your son. Your only son. Isaac. Whom you love. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. This seems to be so out of character for something God would call for. I want you to know now God already knows how Abraham's going to handle this. And you're going to see something, I think, which is absolutely amazing in reference to Abraham and his faith as well. It says, Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. In other words, he saw where God was leading him. He, he could see it and he knew that. Okay, that's, that's it. That's the place. And Abraham says to the young men that are with him, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I and the boy will go. That's the first verb phrase, will go. We're going to go over there and worship. And then now you come to and come back to you. There's no subject for that, come back. So you have to go back to the, 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 the subject that comes before that. It's basically what he's saying is, I and the boy will go over there and worship, and I and the boy will come back to you. Abraham knew. He knew the details of what was going on. Because God had promised through Isaac and he believed. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, starting with the 17th verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, again the idea of being proved, offered up Isaac. 
And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see where Abraham's faith is? He's so sure. He is so confident that Isaac is going to be the pivot point of this prophecy. That he will be coming back down the mountain with him. That's why he said, and basically, and we'll come back to the two young men that were staying behind. I think it's an, it's an amazing picture of, of uh, Abraham and, and why he is the object of the focus of so many studies that uh, talk about faith. He's, he is definitely the core of, of what it is to have the faith that God will deliver. God will do what He says He's going to do with absolute assurance, without hesitation, without doubt. Again, that picture, I and the boy will go over there and worship and implied I and the boy will come back to you. goes on to say that he lays the wood on Isaac's back for the, to be the wood for the, the altar. By the way, this, how many of you have, have heard this story as Isaac being a boy? And when it says boy, meaning a young boy. You know, somebody 12, 13 or younger. He's a young man. It says boy in a lot of the translation, but if you look down, you'll probably have a footnote that says, or young man. He's able to carry the bundle of wood that is necessary to be on an altar that would consume a burnt offering. That's no small load. And he carries it up the mountain. So he's got to be of some stature. They go up. Verse 6. Verse 7 says, And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. His dad was carrying a torch. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. I believe Abraham said that with such confidence that the son was fully resting. At this point, partially in maybe his own faith because he's seen some things, but resting with the confidence of his dad's faith as well. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and there and laid wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and led him to the altar on the top of the wood. The reason why I wanted you to get a grasp of the idea of his stature and his physical ability to carry the load of wood was to show that he obviously did this without resistance. He's seen a sacrifice before. 
He knew what it meant that he was being bound and laid on the altar. And there was no complication in doing it. I, I really truly believe he allowed himself to be bound. He even probably helped his elderly father get him, get him onto the altar. As Abraham reached out his hand, he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him with, from heaven and said, Abram, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now this idea is, I know that you fear God. The word fear here stands for honor, obey, trust, to stand in awe. Did God know this already? Yes. But He says, now it's a given fact. Everybody will know. Abraham lifted up his eyes. looks around and he notices behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Now, I, some of you recall some praise songs using the phrase Jehovah Jireh, and it's it's a it's an awesome phrase to keep in your heart. God will provide. Whatever He calls you to, whatever He says He's going to do, He will do. He's not a God of contradiction. He's a God of absolutes. If He says it, it's, it's that. It's the way it is. Now, this offering in the land of Moriah is only mentioned one other time. I'd like to read it to you. Second Chronicles, chapter three, verse one. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at this place that David had appointed on the threshing floor. It's the only other time Mount Moriah is mentioned in Scripture. Mount Moriah is the, where the temple of God 
the city of Jerusalem sits, what happened just outside the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world was sacrificed. You see, the picture, this whole picture of Abraham is a picture of God's giving His only Son for us. That was the promise that was made actually in the pictures of what happened with Isaac and his following ancestry was the lineage of Christ was followed. God was constantly narrowing down. From all the people in the world, God said, Abraham. And that immediately eliminated the rest of the world from where the Messiah could come from. And then Isaac. And then we go, we're going to go ahead and see Jacob and Joseph and others. It's it, it, it just God constantly narrowing it to provide lineage of Christ. God was protecting the route to the cross for us. I... Read that and I think in terms of what Christ has done for us. We're always looking at this every time we come to communion. I told you that this was called the scarlet thread. This is part of the scarlet thread. was the sacrifice of the ram at that altar. It was the picture of spilling blood but the willingness to give His only Son was a foreshadowing of what God would do on the cross. You see, the Old Testament isn't just a history book of Hebrew people. It's the, the development of the Christ coming. He is coming, and New Testament, He has come. And for us, as we look through Revelation, He is coming again. And so we celebrate that every time we share in communion. He has come and He's coming again. He took the cross. He shed His blood. He's called a people. Before the foundation of the world, He has called the people to be His church, His bride. And if you have Christ in your heart, you are that. You're part of the church, the bride of Christ. So as we share in communion, you come and lead the communion song and and uh, we'll share together. We pick the communion up front. Uh, so as you feel led while we're singing, uh, pick up the communion and then uh, when we've all been served, we'll share together.
receive from the Lord which I also have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, this is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let us share the bread.
In the same way, also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to come to the table together after hearing Your Word. We ask, Lord, that You would plant Your Word deep in our hearts. We look at Abraham and Isaac as a picture of the Father, You, and sacrifice. Thank You. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for these emblems that remind us weekly of what You have done. Cause us to carry this in our hearts through the week. We worship. We praise. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Before we sing our final song, uh, I was listening to some praise music and uh, there was a phrase in the song, and I don't know, I'm not even sure what the title of the song is, uh, but the phrase was, I am what you say I am. And that just, it was, it was repeated a couple of times as part of the chorus. I am what you say I am. And uh, I was just wanting to close with this thought as we go. What has God said that we are? Now, and and I'm, I'm willing for some participation here. What has God said that we are? We're His bride. A what? A royal priesthood. Okay. Forgiven. Okay. How about we, the, the phrase, I'm a child of God. Um, joint heirs with Jesus. The, the phrase of Romans 8, no condemnation. I'm that, I'm that, that person. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are saved. We are the children of God. We are who He said we are. And He's caused our eyes to be open to that and directed our paths in such a way that we become that. And it is so awesome to know that God loves us so much that He has called us. He has chosen us. He's called us out of the world to be His children. So, I just wanted to share that with you as we close. Let's have our closing song. Would you stand, please?